Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason, uh, lead pastor, and I just love to, to, to build those relationships. And one of the things in building a relationship is, is bridging a gap. And so when we say bridge a gap, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, for example, a couple weeks ago, uh, down on my farm uh, in Lincoln County, we, we have a, a culvert that, you know, allows us to get to one side, to the other side, because it's in the middle, there's a river, and the, the, all the, the rain backed up, and it flooded uh, the, the, the bridge out, and then so it washed all the dirt, and so it made it look like there was dirt underneath, because the soil, the soil was on top, and the grass was still there, but if we'd have drove our vehicle across, it would have definitely have boom, crashed, and so I saw that there was something missing, all the dirt underneath, and then no one trusted the fact that we could just, you know, walk across. But the bridge, the gap is the same principle. You know, we needed something solid to connect us, and it's Jesus. And so for those who have been a part of what we're trying to accomplish for the past couple of years, you understand the concept, but at the same time, those who are, have not and just sort of been coming for a while or maybe jumped in last year and, and just like, well, what is center point? I, I, the sermons are, you know, Somewhat decent, and, you, know, you know, the worship is awesome, and, but at the same time, what, what, what is our vision? What do we do, and, and why do you do what you do? Why, why launch a church? Why launch a church in the middle of Danville? There's, there's 66 churches, by the way, in Danville, I think, if my numbers are right. Uh, there's 66 other churches. Why, why launch another church? Why do you want to try to start another church on top of that as well? well why? There's reasons. If, if we follow the word of God, if we follow Matthew 20. 819, if we just set our eyes and fix uh, those, uh, those, those, those words of Jesus when he said, to go and make what? Disciples. What does it say, go and be idle? And so, to my knowledge, within 15 miles from here, there's 70-some-odd thousand people who live in, in this region of Kentucky. And if every single person decides to get on fire and show up in churches, we ain't got enough seats. Bottom line. And so, it's our responsibility, it's our opportunity to, to do things different. And so we're like fishing. You ever been fishing? I love fishing, by the way. I just enjoy fishing. If they ain't catching on one bait, what do you do? You continue to be stupid and sit there with the little fishing hook and the worm? No. You go get the nice shiny one over here. Or maybe you get the nice dull one over here. Or maybe you get the one that makes all kinds of noise. Welcome to Center Point. I mean, I'm just being honest. We got to fish. Because God commanded us to go, what? Fishers of man. And so that's why Centerpoint. You know, a couple years ago when we launched, and, and it's, it's a crazy story, but, you know, when God speaks, you know he speaks. And he still does. You just got to be willing to listen. It's, it's up to you. And I'm telling you, and I'll say it here in a little bit, but, man, it's pretty powerful if you're disobedient. <laughs> You're disobedient, or you, you try to delay in that, that, that disobedience. It is, it is painfully obvious that God's trying to do some things. And so what, what is our goals? You know, some people always ask, you know, what is our goals, and why do we do what we do? And, and, and to be quite honest with you, you know, our goal is not to create just another worship service or a church in our town or in our surrounding towns, nor is it to have you here just to, to pack the place out. Uh, or just to be in church. If, if that's the goal, we have failed. And I don't want you to feel that way. It is, it is a complete failure. Let me, let me, you need to know this today. 
you, you need to know this, and this is, this is one, if you want to start putting notes down, this is the one I want you to walk away with today. God doesn't take attendance. He doesn't take attendance. He doesn't care if you're inside church or outside church. He cares if you acknowledge him, period. Now, it's cool when we get together and have some awesome intimate worship. I mean, that's scriptural. It really is scriptural. But at the same time, he doesn't take attendance. You see, in the American church, and if you grew up in the American church, which I did, you know, I don't know many people didn't grow up in the American church as far as maybe you grew up in South America. I don't know that. I don't know if we have any guys that did that. But maybe you grew up in China church. I don't know. So I might have said that wrong. But if you grew up in the American culture church, there's nothing, there's this thing that we do, it's called church. Did you catch what I said? There's this thing that we do, and it's called church. We ask these silly questions like, um, did you go to church this morning? You know, we do do that, don't we? Uh, where'd you go to church? Is your family in church? Um, you know, did your grandma go to church this morning? Why didn't you go to, why didn't you go with grandma this morning? Uh, she could have come by and picked you up. Uh, you know, I mean, we say silly things. We say, well, and then we switch it because if we find out they're not in church, we say these famous words, don't we? You need to... Oh, somebody's whistling. I mean, so, somebody says this. I know you say it. Trust me, you say. I believe you say it because it's, well, it's, we, we just do it if you're in church. You need to go to church. You need to be involved with my church. You need to get your whole family in church. I've seen your kids. <laughs> I'm just, on, hey, you should see some of the kids out there at the soccer field. Uh, not mine, but, you know, it's just one of those things. Just honest, you know, centers around the church, don't it? It's, and, if it and if it centers around the church, you want to know why there's so many people not side in church? They look at you. They just simply look at you and say, why do I want to be a part of that? Why do, why do I want to go there? They gossip, they slander, they fight. That's just some good days. Who wants to be a part of that? You see, we, we as culture have started this thing and we build the church up and we just talk about the church. We, we never talk about our story. And we just, started, we just had a five, six-week sermon series over your story. That's why we could care less about church and we want your story to be the, the thing. If it, it, like I said earlier, if it's about the church, we have failed. If it's about the story, we have succeeded because that story will go on and on and on. And there might be a day coming that Centerpoint closes its doors. I don't know. I'm just saying it's the truth. It's the truth. Eventually we think if we can just get them into the building, eventually we think if we can just show up, if we can just show up the church building, then there's, there's something magical or, or spiritual that will happen here. It's just so powerful worship. And then we sing, our God is greater. You know, we sing those fun songs. He loves us, oh, how he loves us. I know I got a microphone and it's weird. You know, we, we, we just walk away. We're holding hands and singing Kumbaya and saying, wow, it was great to be in church this morning. And the outside world's looking at you going, yeah, look at me. I'm at the lake. I enjoy God too. I'm fishing. This is good. I, I had more conversation. And I'm being really real because I'm telling, I'm telling my best friend about God and talking about my marriage. It's really hurting me right now. Matter of fact, I took out a loan that I know I shouldn't have took out of, and, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I think I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. 
Or my kid, man, he's such a rebellion kid, and I don't know what to do. You see, they're getting really real on the lake versus up here in church, and we just play church. Now, I'm causing some really tension right now because I'm looking at your faces. There's about 15 to 20 people really leaning in. Thank you. But it's true, isn't it? Is it true? Have we played church? You see, when we launched this idea, I'm done playing church. I see too many of my friends that are in Walmart, and for, for, for like four or five weeks, I didn't go to church because I just wanted to see who was out and about. i just being honest. I went around to Walmart. I went around to Kroger. I went around everywhere, and I was just asking people, hey, man, how, man, I haven't seen you since graduation. You lost a lot of hair. I know. You know, it's one of those moments, but you, have you grown more? No, I haven't. Well, maybe I did. Maybe outwards. You know, it's one of those moments, and you're like, man, well, tell me about your life. Well, you know, I got married, and I had two children, and got a divorce, and I hate her, and it just, you know, I was involved in church, but, you know, I just, no one really loves me anymore. They judge me because of this, and the only thing they ever asked for is, oh, man, you guys are good. I could care less about your money, but it's truth. It's truth. If God wanted to move something, he would anoint you guys to give like crazy men. You talk about a giving church. That's next week, by the way. Just a little plug. <laughs> just saying. What a great opportunity to do something crazy and radical. <laughs> Open your hands because it's not yours in the first place. It's God's. That's next week. Just saying. You got a little piece of paper in your seat. Next week, we have the opportunity to invest into the kingdom of God with three amazing you know, partnerships that we desire to see his kingdom work. And I'll just quickly, briefly tell you that first one. You know, as a church plant here in town, you know, I know how important money is and, and resources, but this guy has launched two churches, one here in Danville, one in Casey County, and they're struggling. And I said, man, let me pray on it. Let's just, what if it would look like for another church to partner with you? And our first initial uh, response when we, we started talking, we wanted a multi-ethnic, a multi-cultural church. And, and though we don't have the, the, the culture yet, why can't we support a culture? Why can't we say, you know what? I don't know an ounce or a one word of, well, that's not true. I know three or four words. But, you know, of Spanish. But we're going to support you and say, Jesus loves you. The best way I know how. And maybe down the road we, we can partner with Pregnancy Resort Haven Hope, simply. And not, last but not least, but the Baitwood community where we can just do some crazy Radical things, and we'll talk about that next week, but I hope and pray that you start taking that piece of paper home and you just pray over it. Maybe put it on your refrigerator. We're just going to host a little love offering at the end of the service, and we're just going to see what God does with it. We're just going to divvy it up three different ways and just send it out. We're not going to keep any of it. Just straight to those organizations. But what if, what if we focus on today that God doesn't take attendance? He doesn't care whether or not we show up or not. He wants our heart. But when we do get on fire for God, when our soul is on fire and we start to just live, we just, we can't not, you know, it's like a good family barbecue. By the way, today we have a barbecue. One o'clock my house. You're invited. Everybody's invited. Just show up. I'll feed you. Somehow, another. you know, God can take two little fishes and five loaves of bread and say, whew, 4,000, 5,000 people, right? So we're going to do the same thing with about 10 hot dogs. So <laughs> we want you to come over and enjoy. Uh, there's more than that. They're already starting to cook right now. We've got some guys that took off, and they're going to cook, but you're invited. 
You know, it's crazy to me when, when, when the outside world is looking in and, and they're looking in like, yeah, man, this, that whole church thing, yeah, I don't know about it. All they ever want is your money. They talk about you behind your back and, and why do you want to go? Why do you want to go? Because we get caught into this attendance thing because we grew up with it because mama said, you don't miss church. Daddy said, we're going to church. And you never miss church. If you want to hashtag this, hashtag God doesn't take attendance. He doesn't. Tweet that one out and see what happens real quick. See, what we do here at Centerpoint is way bigger than just church. It's way bigger than church. And I believe that most, most of us are, are much smarter than that. And that's why you're here. So I'm giving you props. But some of you are still curious of everything we do, and some of you need to remember why we decided to do what we did back when we launched in my house in 2011. So today, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bridge the gap. We're going to bridge the gap for you guys can walk with us, and we can walk over securely with Jesus as the fundamental foundation piece in what we're trying to strive for as we walk in the light of life, as we jump in this beautiful thing called summer. You see, if you grew up in church and, and you're, you're, you were being in church, it was as soon as you, you had the chance, and you, you, as soon as you had the chance to stop being in church, for some of people, they stopped being in church. If you grew up being in church, sometimes we stop being in church because we're sick and tired of church. Does that make sense? You see, it's got to be about the story, this life transformation story. And when you start being about that, that point over here, there was a tank morning. When it's about that, it, man, it's, it's powerful. It's very powerful. So here's a question. Did you grow up in an environment in your house that your dad would never miss church, but he missed every single Little League baseball game you ever had? Maybe that recital that he never showed up for? Or every event at school and he... You kept on looking for him to show up and just hoping and praying that he would show up, but he never missed church. Did you you grow up in an environment where your mom would never miss that woman's gossip group? I didn't mean to say that. Prayer study. Prayer group. (laughs) I really meant to say prayer group. Promise I did. That slipped. But she would never miss that, but she would miss... Miss out on the opportunity to take you over there or maybe go invest time and do your nails or just never never a priority to spend time inside the family. What about what about you never miss church, but but Monday through Saturday you you had to call CSI and look for evidence of it in your family's lifestyles because you messed up so much. You made the Kardashian family look like saints. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Because God doesn't take attendance. So what's the point of just going to church? To post it on Facebook? To retweet the pastor? Well, that's good. Hashtag. To get the star. I grew up, honestly, I grew up in a church that did stars, okay? We got to go get the little sticker and go push it over here and push it. If you got four in a row, you got to go to the candy box. Just saying, I visited the candy box quite often. If you got like 12 in a row or something like that, you got to go to the toy box. 
It was so cool. I never wanted to miss church. See, to me, it was somewhat manipulated. And I didn't know it until I got older. Maybe you grew up in that same environment, and now you're realizing God doesn't take attendance because my life is so screwed up, and I don't even know what to do, and I'm just asking questions, and it's simple questions, like, what is it, what's this right here feeling? I don't know, like on Sundays, I'm feeling something, and I really don't know what that is, but I just, I'm just going to go live my own life throughout the week. What is that moment? You see, we think there is, there is so much here and more to offer through Jesus Christ. And when we do begin to place it on centering on Jesus as a high priority in our life, when we do start to point to Jesus and when we do start living for Jesus, it, it does one thing. You become a more devoted follower of Jesus. It's just that simple. When Jesus enters the house, what? Changes everything. It changes what you care about. And thus, here at Centerpoint, we want you to come together as one, worship as one body, as an individual. That's corporate worship. That's, that's scriptural. And then as individuals, we want you to become a more devoted follower of that church, Jesus. And see, there is no, uh, uh, there's no better thing than coming together as a body of believers and really investigating the scriptures. And so if you have your word, we're going to dive into Matthew chapter, chapter 7. And if you need a Bible, a weekly advertise right back there in that corner, man, there's some Bibles there for you to grab or, or take to a friend that you, need, you know needs one, and you just can love on them that way. It's just what we want to do. But along the way, yes, coming to the loft as a church, we gather and we listen and as we open God's word and we learn, listening and learning, listening and, all right, we're still with me, listening and learning. And the next one is, it's so important this morning for us to catch this, and no one said it better than Jesus himself. So if you got your Bible, if you got your phone, open it up and turn it on, uh, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 24, and this is right after the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons ever recorded. It was short, it was sweet, it was to the point, but this was, this was so important for, for everybody there to follow and listen. So Matthew records this, someone who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and lived with Jesus, and this is, this is what he records in verse 24. It says this, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and so it's almost like he's talking to us today, 2,000 years later. It's almost like he's, he's recording it in a way to say, you know what, there's going to be some later, there's going to be some later traffic that needs to hear this and they need to do something with this. So if you're hearing these words of mine and puts them into, uh-oh, practice. Practice is hard, right? I mean, Ever, I mean, sports, anybody ever did sports? Or maybe, you know, maybe it's your marriage. You have to practice at your, you got to work at your marriage. It's not like, I do, I do. Oh, we live our separate lives. No, you got to work at it. That's practice. Practice makes, man, you guys are on top of it, some of you. Now then, if we keep on going forward in life with Jesus, man, we're practicing. We're, we're putting things into motion. We're going to learn when we fail. We're going to learn how to succeed. We're going to learn that maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should drop to our knees and just ask for forgiveness or ask for the Father's guidance. Ask for favor. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. 
Now then, growing up in, in the local church, I, we used to sing all kinds of songs. I'm in the Lord's army. You know, I, we, Jesus, Jesus. You know, we sung all kinds. of. One of my favorite songs to sing was the, the rain came down, the floods come up. The rain comes down, the floods come up. And maybe you, the wise man built his house upon the... Oh, some of you did. That's very good. It's right there in Scripture, too, so that's why I'm saying. The rains came down, the streams rose up. You know, it's like the wise man who practiced built his house on the rock. The rains came down... Rains come down, rain come, and it just kept on going back and forth, and the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not what? Fall. Now, because it had its foundation built on, like I said earlier, Jesus. We can walk across the bridge, we can walk across the gap, we can, we can enjoy the favor of a house built fundamentally on Jesus. Now, I love this verse, because this is always my favorite verse as far as singing the song. But when the rain comes up, and the, you know, the rain comes up, and the floods come up, and the rain comes down, and, and then the, wise, the, the, not the foolish man, the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, crash. Because he built it on something that moves, something that's not so fundamentally sound. And it says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. You see, the reason why we gather on center point, the reason why we gather and the reason why we decided to go full force into a movement of Jesus followers is to want, do one thing, it's to, it's to avoid the crash. It's to avoid the crash. And for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you have already experienced the crash in your life. Maybe you've experienced a divorce that just didn't work out simply because you didn't have Jesus at the center of it. Maybe some of you have, have experienced that, that bankruptcy or, or some financial woes simply because you didn't make wise decisions and you've experienced that crash. Maybe some of you had just that one little has messed up everything in your life simply because you, you could not figure out how to put Jesus in the center of it. You couldn't say no. You see, you experience that crash, and it's led to more and more crashes along the way. And for those teenagers here that's listening and has ears to hear, I love you guys, and here's why I love you so much is because we're talking the younger guys especially because you're pre-crash. You see, you can look around, and there's a lot of adults here that probably, if we're really honest and we got really serious about our story, they could tell you stories about crashes. It's not just coming to church because we're coming to church and getting some donuts. It's because there's stories sitting in these seats that have crashes written all over them. And I know that you're not willing to break because there's something called sin and it's pride. And we're holding back the tears and the fear of your next door neighbor knowing the crash that's inside. But if you just trusted and obeyed, Say it again, trusted and obey. If you just trust that with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, look out. You have not a church. You have a Jesus movement on fire in a way that, man, there's something radically different about a church of believers who's willing to share their crashes and build their houses on the rock. And when you do that, you set a legacy in motion. You set the next stage for the next generation in motion. It's beautiful. 
You see, hearing and doing is what make us more devoted. When we hear his words and we, we do them, we put them into practice, we become more devoted. So it's, it's coming on Wednesday nights or it's coming on Sundays. It's going out and serving one another. It's giving God what is already his. And when we do that, we see God do something crazy. A generation of people move towards him. You see, I think there's a generation of people moving towards uh, other things. Because I see it all around. When you talk to people that they're not involved in church, but they don't even have a Jesus story. Like, they, they don't even have a story in Christ. It was, they grew up in church, and it was all about church. It's about everything about church. And I grew up, and the Easter comes, and I go back to church, and then I go on Christmas, and that's about it. And they call themselves Christians. I don't understand that language. I'm just being honest. If you show up two times a year and you claim to be a Christ follower, that's kind of weird because you're supposed to come and celebrate whether it's in here or in your homes or maybe you're doing something missionally with other Christians. That's just how it works. But if you're out there by yourself living your own lifestyle, I just, I don't get it. I had a conversation this week with a guy. He said, I just don't like going to church. I said, why? I don't know. Tell me about Jesus. He said, well, he's the author and perfecter of my faith. Really? I was just being really honest. He caught me off guard when he said that because he knew the scriptures and showed me something. And I was just, tell me about that. He's like, well, you know. He, he didn't have one ounce of a story in Jesus. And I was just like, man, nothing. He's like, can we start to hang out just a little bit more? Because maybe I can learn from you and we can learn together. And I would love to share my story. You see, it's about sharing your stories of grace, humility, most importantly, how Jesus has loved you unconditionally. And so we can become more devoted followers of him. You see, doing is what makes the difference. Why? Because here's the difference. My guess is, is all of us have exercise equipment. All of us have some sort of exercise equipment at home, whether it be the little small dumbbell, the little rubber bands, the P90X, or whatever it is. You got a DVD somewhere that you, you know, we, it's, it, we're like, oh man, this is going to be great. We feel great. You get the thing in the mail, you get it home and you, you paid all kinds of money for it and you get it home and you do it for the first week. Woo. Yeah. Writing it down, posting on Facebook. Woo. Burn so many. I did this. Or maybe in this drink or that drink and I'm on everybody's drink and I feel great. What happens one week later? No more doing. You see, that's practice. You stick with it. When you see the life transformation of a guy that's just like, you know, completely ripped, and he's, but he's put so much practice into it because he wanted life change. And I support that because, man, that is awesome. What happens if that guy gets on fire for Jesus? Look out. I'm just being real. It's the same thing. Why come to church? Because we all do it. But when you put it into practice and you do it, it changes your life. When you start to serve in Kidsville, there's no greater joy to hang out with somebody else's child and love on them and change their dirty diaper and send them home with a clean, fresh diaper because it stinketh some days in the Kidsville department. King James Version, just being honest, right there. The truth is when we serve and we start to love and we start to live missionally and we start to do things, that's why we did what we did. 
those eight families said, you know what? There's got to be something more. There's got to be other people that, that desire more. And so we went all in on doing. And if we get this thing about doing, there's no difference between the doing, the exercise thing, than our spiritual act of worship in, in being. Because when you're not doing it, you're just going through the motions. You invest a little bit or maybe a lot, and it's just motion. James, the brother of Jesus, who actually thought Jesus was the Messiah after his resurrection, James, the brother of Jesus, writes a letter to a bunch of Christians during the time, and he preserved it in the, in the New Testament. And, and here's, here's James's take. Now, this is Jesus' brother echoing what he had just said in Matthew a couple years later. But he says this in James 1.22. He says, James 1.22, he says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Deceive is a huge word. It says, do what it says. You see, a lot of us get into this motion of deceive, and this is where we're going to sort of cap this today, and we're just going to allow God just to move us a little bit this morning. You see, a lot of us get in this motion of, of emotion. Emotion. You see, deceive is no different than, man, did you feel that? Yeah, I felt that. What is that? I don't know. And you just, then all of a sudden, you just you go do what you want to do. You hear the words of God, and, you, and it clearly says, do not do this. It says, be obedient to this. Or it says, go love your neighbor. And some of you are looking, I can't do that one. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself and just get all emotional. And man, if this, is my, this is my greatest song in the world, I love this song. It's interview. And then all of a sudden, oh, man, that was a great sermon. It spoke right to me. And, uh, and this is powerful. And I even tweeted it out to 15 people who need to be in church, Pastor. And then all of a sudden, you're just, oh, you're just great Sunday. And then Sunday night, man, you're watching whatever. Monday morning, you're just telling the dirty joke at the office. You're, 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 you're gossiping already. You're living a complete different type of lifestyle. Don't deceive yourself. It's not devotion. You see, James 1, 23 and 24, it says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And for us, this, this doesn't make much sense because we have mirrors everywhere. But back in the day, they didn't have mirrors. Back 2,000 years ago, mirrors didn't exist. So the only way you could get a reflection of yourself is to go to a, 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 a piece of water in the morning. You pour it into a bowl, and you might have a little small image, a reflection. Or in the night when the moon's really bright, you can go to a still pond, and you can see the reflection of yourself. And if you're really rich, you had a piece of copper, and it was very much polished, and you could see a blurred image of yourself. But for us, we just go to the mirror, and we just walk up and like, huh, walk out, and you walk back in and go, Huh, you know, you're like, you can walk in a hundred different times. Like, I didn't know what that looked like this morning. You know, you walk back out, you walk in. And we do that, don't we? See, how many times do you walk into the mirror before you go out of the morning time? How much time do you spend in front of the mirror before you go out to the world? I know exactly how much time, and, and I'm, I, I ain't getting myself in trouble this morning because this goes for girls and guys. It's until you look better. 
until you've changed what that little, man, you know, it's one of those moments. Until you can cover it up, you ain't going out. And for some guys, it's just, you know, it's just ugly. Being honest. You ain't covering that up. You can't. But why do we spend so much time in front of the mirror? Because we want to change our appearance. We want to change the, the outward look of who we are. But the only way that happens is from an inward change from the Father. It's just that simple. That's Jesus' message in a nutshell. You want to become a new creation? I'm sorry. You can't do it that way. You need to come over here and place your faith and trust in me. And I tell you, you're going to be beautiful. He makes beautiful things. It's a great song by Gunger. See, to come here week after week and just listen and learn and listen and learn and to become more aware and to do nothing and to do nothing, guys, about it, it's like waking up and going into the bathroom and forgetting what you looked like because you just saw yourself the night before. You walk in and you scare yourself literally to death. Whoa! That's what I look like. So how do we, as a church, as a group of followers of Christ, put doing into practice? There's my question for us today. How do we put doing into practice? We have to do this. We have to honor Christ with obedience. We have to honor Christ with obedience. And we say it here uh, like this. It's one of our values here at Centerpoint. And, and so for the next couple of weeks, these next three weeks, we're going to talk about our five values. And this is the, the one I want you to know today. I want you to be able to start to let that simmer on your heart. But uh, I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in what? Man, if you say that word, look out. It's a big word. It's so small in size and statue, but the value of that word is ginormous. Use Buddy the Elf's words. Ginormous. It's huge. Everything is everything, not just some things and not the one stuff. It's everything. I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in everything. If we live with obedience, nothing else matters. If we don't live with obedience, nothing else matters. It's just that simple. We will live here at Centerpoint with a radical obedience that reflects Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And I said earlier something about delayed obedience. You see, delayed obedience is the same thing as disobedience. And so if you feel God moving and wanting you to share your story but you don't and you choose to not do something, or maybe you know that you're supposed to start volunteering and you just say, you know what, let someone else do it. Or maybe you know that you're supposed to be giving and you're not giving, you let someone else do it. That's delayed obedience. And that is the same thing as disobedience. And here's my story on that. And so a couple of years ago, I knew God was asking us for something more and I just didn't know what it was, but maybe I did. And I can testify to you, I knew that we were probably supposed to to create a, a movement 
And maybe we just missed out on some opportunities to share the gospel in a unique and bold way. And that was complete disobedience in my life. Because my wife, she's amazing. She was screaming at me, not literally, but spiritually, saying, you know what, I, I think we're supposed to do this. And I'd be like, no, 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 you just don't know. Let's go to church. And she kept on saying little things about X, Y, and Z. And I was like, no, nah, let's, just, let's just go to church. And I was serving in the church. But somewhere along the line, Jesus radically got a hold of my heart and he changed what I cared about. And it became about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who decide to go out and allow Christ to be the fundamental foundation, the rock of what we stand on so we can launch movements all across Kentucky and surrounding areas. You see, when, we, when our vision is on centering, pointing, and living in Christ Jesus, it does one thing. It allows us to become a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So today, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know where you're coming from or what you're doing, but, but I hope you just don't sit there another day and have an emotional-filled day. But I hope you put it into practice what we are trying to do as one, as a family of God. Because when we move together towards becoming a more devoted follower of Jesus, we are a force for good. A force for good that, that people will take notice, that, that will want to know more about Jesus because it's all about Jesus' stories, the life transformation. And they will start to, we will, we will together start to redefine the culture that we live in because of, not just because of church attendance, but because of your radical obedience towards Christ, who, by the way, gives you strength. See, my prayer today as we just sort of wrap up and is that you decide to not just, not just know that we've got this amazing thing called the loft and we just go, but you, you start to do what we do here at home. And and we start to change lives because of our faithfulness and our willingness to be obedient to Christ who gives us the strength in the first place so we can change not just our heart, but the hearts that we can come in contact with daily.